What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of A Yank and a Swede, a Premier League podcast. I'm your Swede, Sebastian Noren. With me is your Yank, Elliot Niblock. I'm feeling a little bit under the weather here today, but I will do my best not to cough and sound too much <laughs> like a uh, an old whiskey drinking, smoking pensioner. <laughs> Uh, are you a whiskey drinking, smoking pre-pensioner? Nope, I am not. You at least drink whiskey, though. Bourbon. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, bourbon is, not all whiskeys are bourbon, but all bourbons yep. are whiskey. Yes, <laughs> but not all bourbons are uh, created equally either, so there that you is have it. Also, that is also very true. Yep, that is something, uh, man, maybe that's something we should do over the summer, too, when it's sort of a lull period. We can see what brand of alcohol or beer is most connected <laughs> to the different clubs in the Premier League. There we go. There we go. Interesting. I bet there none of go. them is Eagle Rare, but nope. for their uh, for their sins. <laughs> I mean, Eagle Rare would be a good good one for some some team. That's for sure. Okay, oh, you know, Crystal Palace, somebody with a bird in their logo. Yep, anyway, that's well, that, that's a teaser trailer for uh, like July. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk about what's coming up here this weekend in the Premier League. Match week 22 is upon us. And the big fixture is on Sunday, midday Sunday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff between Tottenham Hotspur and Manchester United. A uh, game whose, thanks to recent run of results for United, is a very interesting game that could end up having a huge impact on the top four. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I think that no matter United's chances on the top four are they're still the, you know, obviously they sit in sixth place. So they're outside looking up among the clubs that have a realistic shot at the top four finish. But, you know, make no mistake, they're the most expensive squad among them also. And so now that they're finally, you know, playing as though they remembered their world class and look like they're actually enjoying themselves on the pitch, you know, they've got a real shot at the top four. And I think that no matter, no matter how this game goes, if it swings to United's favor, if Tottenham playing kind of, sort of at home are able to take all three points, or if they have their first draw of the season, which certainly from a Chelsea and Arsenal perspective would be the ideal outcome of this match then no matter what, it's going to have an impact for the top four race. I mean, I I think that, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, not quite to the whiskey level yet, but I think that this is going to be the year in which we have not only a thrilling fight for the title between Liverpool and City right up until the end, but also in which that top four, I mean, I think that we could see as many as... We could see as many as three different teams on the very last day, all uncertain as to where they'll finish between third and fifth. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's very true. And luckily for United, depending on how you see it, though, they still play Chelsea and Arsenal in the league after this as well. Yeah. Um, So that means something because you're three points behind Arsenal. You win that game, hey, you know, that, that's good. Yeah. And then you have another three points up to Chelsea right now. So, 
Well, and also just given, you know, speaking more specifically about match day 22, this weekend, with the exception of City, which, you know, United are not going to catch City, it doesn't matter, every other game will have been played, so going into Wembley, they will know exactly what the landscape looks like, and who knows, you know, they may be able to leapfrog Arsenal in the table should Arsenal fail to take all three points against Weston. So, you know, it, like, the... The landscape will be even a little more clear by the time these two teams meet in what I think will be, you know, barring some real heroics from De Gea, but even with them, a game with at least four or five goals in it. Yeah, and I'm hoping you'll see a lot of United supporters travel to Wembley now as well. Hopefully they are more up for it now, too, than they've been in the past well, yeah, I mean, it's, look, uh, and I, I I had a little dig already, so I don't want to belabor the point too much, but, you know, it's Tottenham's quote-unquote home ground, but it's still also a chance to see United at Wembley. I mean, that should be a bucket list thing for, you know, even the casual neutral fans say nothing of true United supporters. So I know that it's just a league game. It doesn't quite have the magic of the the cup associated with going to Wembley, but you know what? Ticket prices are high, and if you can say you saw Manchester United play at Wembley Stadium, well, that's a feather in your cap for life. Yep. No, that's true. So the last time these two sides met were back in August of 2018. Spurs took a 3-0 win. That was at Old Trafford. Yeah, I I think that this will... This will be a lot closer of a contest than that. Um, I mean, I hope you're right. I mean, my hopes are up again. Yeah, they should be. As as well, they should be. But at the same, but at the same time, I'm not. I am not expecting this team to go and win in ninety percent of their games. There's still things that need to be fixed here. No, I think they'll probably win two-thirds and draw another 10%, and I still think that'll be enough to be in the top four conversation come certainly as late as, you know, beginning of April, maybe all the way till the end of the season. Yeah. But there's, I mean, there's such a talented side, and really I think the most important thing is that there is, yeah, say nothing of tactics, there's just like a the intangible joy factor. You know, it it looks like they enjoy playing the game that's made them millionaires. And, you know, that is something that's not to be underestimated, I think. Nope. Uh, United, they're coming off a win in the FA Cup against Reading, whereas Spurs took a 1-0 win over Chelsea in uh, the Carabao Cup semifinal first leg. And I think that's another reason why United supporters should be optimistic going into Wembley because that was a, you know, I mean, it's the Carabao Cup, but it's still a hard-fought game with real consequences and ask any Spurs supporter and they will tell you that they are desperate for trophies. I mean, you know, there's a reason why they fielded such a strong team in that game. I mean, that game saw all of... Ericsson, Ali, Son, and Kane starting, right? Like, this is this is not a pushover side by any means. I mean, really, probably the, I think, most notable absences were, of course, Loris, you know, switched out for the cupkeeper and goal, and maybe, you know, not starting Lamella. But otherwise, 
this was a like this was their full strength side and this was a game that saw them fighting Chelsea all the way for the full 90 with Ali Kane Alderweireld Trippier Rose all going the distance you know there's there's going to be a little bit more cup fatigue i have to think for spurs if nothing else just from the mental pressure that they're under you know because they're desperate to get the supporters what they want in the shape of silverware as well and you know, even though they emerged victorious and you know continue on in the Chupacabra Cup, like that, oh, that takes, still a, a, second that takes leg. a bit of a toll. Still a second leg yeah, to be played. Yeah, no, but 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 my my point still holds, right? That yeah. like even though they did the business at home that they had to do, mm-hmm. they nonetheless are uh, are going to be you know, like there's there's no way to emerge from that with absolutely zero fatigue. So again, United supporters, yet another reason to. <laughs> shell out the pounds you need to take the train down to London for this fixture on Sunday, should you have the means to do so. Yep. So, well, I'll just mention, too, in the other Carabao Cup semifinal first leg, Manchester City pummeled Burton 9 nothing. That's uh, yeah. a little bit mean of City. I think they could have stopped at, like, 6. <sighs> Whatever. They're professionals. <laughs> I don't care. You know, I mean, honestly... Burton's Burton's big success was just showing up and yep. the paychecks that they'll cash from the fact that we're even talking about Burton Albion right now. <laughs> That's true. That's very very true. So sorry guys, you yeah. know, but I, uh, yeah, I, I I don't think that I don't think that you can fault professional footballers for scoring as many goals as possible in a professional football match. No, of course not, and especially when you have. I bet that a lot of those players who scored goals, they have bonuses in their contracts. If I reach yeah. this amount of goals, I'll get this amount of money. So yeah. we're not going to take our foot off the gas. Uh, City, they don't play until Monday on, against Wolves at home. Um, so that will be sort of an interesting matchup too. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the danger of wolves made apparent against Liverpool in the FA cup recently. You know, they, they're not a team that anybody can take lightly. I mean, we speak about this frequently that in the Premier league, the quality is so high, so consistently that even the quote unquote minnows are teams that are going to have quality about them. Yeah. But they uh, need, they need to find some form of consistency here. Cause you go and you, you beat, Spurs three to one on the road, and then you drop three points at home against Crystal Palace. Yeah, I mean their their goal is going to be pretty much right where they are. So I think that consistency is something that they'll look for this season and really hope to establish next year. But you know, if if Wolverhampton, like if if Wolverhampton end up in ninth place at the end of the season, I think you would be hard-pressed to find too many supporters who aren't totally delusional who are really frustrated with that result. No, I mean, that's a great first season. Mm-hmm. Finishing yeah. top half, that's that's pretty much as much as you can ask for. Yeah, I mean, like, giving your supporters a chance to raise a pint in celebration for mathematically avoiding the relegation zone as early as, you know, say end of March, which I think is reasonable for Wolves. Mm-hmm. You know, that in and of itself is a day for celebration. Well, I mean, really, we're looking at, let's see, Southampton 16 points, Fulham 14, and then Huddersfield 10. 
Reading down the table, yeah. Yeah, so, so I'm wondering if... I'm thinking like 30, 33, 34 points should definitely be enough. Yeah, which is four or five points more that they need. Yeah. I I mean, I, I again, was speaking about mathematical certainty as opposed oh, yeah, yeah. to just like general level of comfort. Yep. Um, but they'll... Yeah, I think that they'll be comfortable by the end of this month and they'll be, as I said, you know, mathematically certain sometime in March. Um, yeah, and actually, I have to be honest, as much as I think that the top four race will be a real battle right up until the end, I think we may have the reverse at the bottom of the table. You know, I think that, unfortunately... The relegation battle may be decided with a few, you know, forlorn, predetermined conclusion match days left to go. It might be. I mean, there still might be some action towards the 18th spot. Maybe that last team we'll is going to go we'll down. We'll see. I just, I, I am, I'm sad for the Cottagers because I expected a lot more from them, and they look woebegone. Yep. Absolutely true. Okay, let's uh, back things up as far as the schedule goes. Saturday, the 7.30 a.m. kickoff, London Derby between West Ham and Arsenal. That's fun. I'll get up for that. <laughs> I'll breakfast. get up for that. I'll get I up mean, for yeah. that. Yeah, I will, I will, of course, get up for that. Um, I mean, this is this is a fixture that Arsenal fans, I think, you know, historically have been – sometimes frustrated by have to be confident, but not overconfident going into it. Um, you know, again, one of the things that I was just saying about how uh, in the premier league, the the qual- level of quality is just so generally high that you're always going to face danger when you face any opposition team and Arsenal, even Going into is it still the Boylan Ground? I, I can't keep track of West Ham Stadium. <laughs> um, it, when you're going away from home to face West Ham, you you're not going to be absolutely terrified by the likes of Andy Carroll. But nonetheless, you know, with players like Arnautovic and Chicharito, like this is a team that can't hurt you. Yep. No, it's true, and it's a London Stadium. And I think that the yeah, the yeah. London Stadium at the Boylan Ground. Um, I st- I think that Arsenal fans are going to be somewhat relieved. I don't know if relieved is even the right word. Slightly heartened by the fact that we returned no fewer than six players to train to full training, uh, five of whom are defenders. However, I that probably means that we're not going to buy a defender. Uh, and Emery has also come out to say that essentially Arsenal's position in January is we can only sign players on loan. Um, Now, how much of that is just the straight up truth? I would say at least 70%. Is there some penumbra to it of, okay, we're saying this publicly in order to try to strengthen our hand in negotiation if we are trying to add buy-in clauses for loans, if we are perhaps trying to pursue some kind of permanent move, you know, in order to publicly say, well, we don't have the funds for anything but a loan, 
just to try to strengthen our negotiating position. It's not impossible. I don't think it's likely. I'm inclined to take this on face value. You know, one of uh, Unai Emery's illustrious predecessor, Arsene Wenger's kind of oft-mocked phrases was, when a player comes back from injury, he's like a new signing. Oh, yeah. Oh, my <laughs> and, God. Yeah, I know. But nonetheless, you know, we have really, really lacked defensive cover. And, you know, we, you have a full back line. You have a full, well, borderline Premier League quality back line coming back to full training in Hector Bellerin, Nacho Monreal, Laurent Koscielny, and I think somewhat significantly lower in quality, Shkodron Mustafi. You have excellent cover in the young Dinos Mavropanos. And, of course, you have the enigma that is the world-class, talented, often invisible Mesut Ozil returning to full training, whatever his injury, whether his injury may have been. Yep. Yeah, we also got news that Aaron Ramsey looks to be leaving Arsenal for Juventus. Um, Sky Sports are reporting that he will have his medical on Sunday and then that the deal will be finalized on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a really poor piece of business from Arsenal perspective. Um, Letting a a player of his caliber go on a free transfer. You know, we can't, if we can't afford to sign players... Well, we also can't afford to let him go because we need his cover in midfield. Um, if we're realistically going to try both to have a sniff at the top four in the league and also pursue that Champions League spot via the Europa League as well, you know, we're going to need that. Well, but, you'll have him until the summer. Yeah, I know. But that's but what I'm saying is that down the road, this is really just sloppy contract management from an Arsenal perspective, right? You know. Oh, absolutely. If like this, this is the absolute. It's not the worst, absolute worst case scenario, right? Because he's at least going abroad. You know, seeing him playing on a domestic rival would really sting. But it, it's just it's poor squad management. It's poor contract management. You know, one can only hope from a Gunner's perspective that these are kind of the last vestiges of the old guard being shaken off. But the reason that we bought brought in all of these new, you know, back-of-house people, as it were, um, you know, Miss Lintat, Selene, uh, now we've brought in a new loan manager to manage all of our loan contracts, you know, that, like that kind of mismanagement is, is one of the reasons why Arsenal are a team lacking in depth. And I would point... You know, with the, the loan issue specifically to the likes of a Serge Nabry, who's having great success for Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga. You know, he is a player that why, why is he not on our books? Mm-hmm. Because because you mismanaged his contract situation. You mismanaged his loan spells. He became unsettled and you let a bright young talent who is now flourishing, who could really help the squad, you know, go elsewhere on the cheap. And now you're letting an established, maybe not quite world-class, but close to it, midfielder leave on a free. And it, it's it's frustrating. Um, my Again, my only hope is that we see a lot less of this moving forward, but it does seem, you know, it has, it has frustrating airs of transfer windows gone past, not only the Alexis debacle a year ago, but, you know, thinking back further to the likes of the 
you know, the Robin Van Persie, Fabregas, Nasri departures. And none of those seemed like Arsenal really held all the cards or even quite knew the cards they were holding. That's true. Although I would say that you came out ahead on the Sanchez deal. I don't know. I really? I think Sa- yeah. I mean, Mkhitaryan hasn't lit the world on fire either. No, but um, he's still been better than Sanchez. He, and slightly, you, and but you he's got also, money, right? But he's also been playing. But he's also been playing in uh, under a better system, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't been suffering under Jose. That's true. Um, I'm, you not, know, I'm still not sure that Sanchez is long for for Old Trafford. No, I, I think he's gone. If they, if they can find someone who can take on those wages, I think he's mm-hmm. gone. I mean, I tell you what, heck, I would I would take him back on a loan move to the Emirates. Sure. You know, we could use a wide player. <laughs> yeah. They would never pay those wages, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Sanchez to the MLS. There we go. There we go. <laughs> hey, man, I would love to see Alexis Sanchez in the MLS. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Did Slatan break a record? Let's see here. What's the latest on Slatan? Slatan breaks a record every morning he wakes up and eats breakfast. Pretty much. <laughs> I thought it was something that because they renegotiated his contract. Um, so I want to say that he's the best paid player ever in the MLS now. I mean, it's not hugely surprising. Uh, I mean, Beckham's contract was nothing to sneeze at, but um, that's also a little a little while ago now. So, uh, let's see if we got any numbers here. Nope. I mean, I am oh, well. speaking though. Of, you know, just brief aside that I am happy to see Zlatan continue to play in the MLS. You know, it's. It, the the league is growing. It will never be the Premier League. I mean, it will never be even, uh, you know, Bundesliga or uh, even the Eredivisie, really. <laughs> but it, it's growing. And, you know, a lot of the, the, speaking of Alexis Sanchez, a lot of the younger South American talent is now headed to MLS before going over to Europe, mm-hmm. which I think is a great thing for the game in North America and South America. Really, it's just... It's a good thing for the game when a new league develops and you know player young players have more opportunities to play at a high level. Yep, absolutely true. We should also say that on Saturday we got Brighton taking on Liverpool, Burnley, Fulham, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Crystal Palace, Watford, Leicester, Southampton. All those are 10 a.m. kickoffs. The Brighton and Liverpool game is on multiple broadcasters. The rest is on NBC Sports Gold, if you're here in the U.S. Yep. And then we got the Chelsea-Newcastle 12.30 p.m. kickoff. So, with Chelsea getting knocked out here, they can put a little bit more concentration on the league. Uh, I don't know how far up the Carabao Cup. Well, I mean, they still have the second leg. Yeah, I still have the same But, you know, how how far up is that on the, the priority list, really? It's a lot lower for Chelsea than it is for Spurs for exactly yes. that, you know, desperation, trophy doubt, drought yep. reason. Yep. I also don't like the fact that it's two-legged. Just have a one. No, I like it. Nah. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... And here's here's one of the reasons I like it. Again, speaking of, sorry you got humiliated, but also this is still overall 
like one of the victories of the season for Burton is that those, you know, oh, they, get get, they get to get humiliated by city twice. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. But it's going to help the bottom line of their football club. And unless it's woefully mismanaged, which, you know, as we've seen with the likes of teams like Blackpool, for example, is certainly not impossible with English football clubs, but you know, it should help the club in the long run. Yeah. And and still, you know, it also just like getting to go out there and say, well, son, we're probably going to get annihilated. But, hey, now you can see Raheem Sterling play in our home stadium. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Not too many League One sides can say that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but Chelsea taking on Newcastle. I still don't really know what to make of Newcastle. Not much. Not much. They're in 15th <laughs> place right now. They haven't won in four games. Their last win came mid-December against Huddersfield, the one nothing win. After that, yeah. it's been a draw against Fulham, a loss against Liverpool, a draw against Watford, and a loss against Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, two points clear of the relegation zone. I, d- I, don't, I, don't, expect, I don't expect them to actually drop into the championship, but I also don't expect them to finish much higher up the table than they currently sit in 15th. No. And I mean, for Chelsea, after stumbling at home against Southampton in their last league game, they can't afford it to do it again against a team that's right above the relegation yeah. zone. Yep. Southampton being in the relegation zone. So, uh, yeah, Chelsea probably will be very motivated in this one. Yeah, So it, and it is, even though, I again, I do expect them to avoid the drop, it is not impossible that at the end of match day 22, we see the boys at St. James Park in the relegation zone at that point. Oh, well, you're asking a lot. You're asking, uh, <laughs> you're asking Southampton to go on the road and beat Leicester. <laughs> yeah. I don't see that happening. Yeah, touche. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that that will be quite something. Then Sunday morning, we got Everton against Bournemouth. Uh, Bournemouth, you know, dropped off a bit here. They're down 12th now. One win in the last five. Everton, though, sit right above them in 11th with one win and four losses in their last five. Yeah, boy, to be a Toffee supporter has been so frustrating the last few years because I really, every sign I thought, okay, well, this is really it. They're going to kick on and they're going to make the the struggle for the out-and-out shot at the top four, at least the, oh, nope, sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah, there were a couple of years there that were kind of promising, but. Nope. Well, even last year, I thought, you know, like, well, maybe Rooney will have a bit of a swan song and, you know, Walcott's a player that I'm, Never thought we'd really get to see the best out of, but has still a lot of pace and a lot. Uh, well, no. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, and I'm worried that it's going to be the same story with Dominic Calvert Lewin because he's another young, up and coming player, also similar to Walcott, has a lot of pace, can play up front, can play on the wing. Uh, I hope to see him develop and, you know, for Everton's sake, yeah, like kick on and really pushed to that next level to be a Sterling-like player. but Yeah, and then another boy, team is going to come in and buy him. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, but still, again, you know, speaking of the the bottom line in the spreadsheets doesn't win football matches, but with the right management, it can ultimately work towards doing that eventually. Yep. 
Absolutely true. Okay, with that, we're going to wrap things up here for today. As always, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm Seb Norton. Elliot is Keats was better. Give one yank, one sweet a follow as well. And we'll talk to you again after the weekend. Until then, have a good one. Bye-bye.